Konesti, how are you? Welcome to the Candlelit Tales podcast and this time we are doing the post-show chat of Cahor MacNessa and that was our last episode. Uh, I'm Aaron Hegarty, I'm joined by the other co-founder and my sister, Sarah Hegarty. Hey. And this podcast is sponsored by Patreon support, so thanks for all our Patreon support. You can go to patreon.com forward slash Candlelit Tales if you want to do that. But liking and sharing and subscribing to the channel helps loads too. Happy fucking post-Christmas, everybody. It's over. It's done. We've got the presents. We've, we're very happy. We're all Santa'd delivered. And also, happy uh, belated solstice. It's after the solstice. We're in the later half of the year. It's getting brighter. Technically. Technically. Well, we're not. We're still in the deep midwinter, but we've passed the darkest point. Yeah. The point. It's um, getting brighter. It's getting brighter. This would ordinarily be a live stream, but given that there is a storm that keeps blowing in and out and Mad that we storm. are uh, down the country in Cork, we figured we wouldn't rely on the Wi-Fi for streaming and we'd just pre-record it. Yeah. So that's what we're doing. So that's what we're doing. So I uh, got the rebels. We're in our family home, which we're very lucky to get back to. And we are, you know, considering staying here forevermore because we can't go anywhere else anymore. But... Uh, that's not the topic of today's conversation. Today's conversation will be all about the death of Cahor McNassa. Now, before we do that, we probably have to talk about his birth because he was born on a very auspicious day. But before we talk about his birth, we have another birthday to celebrate. Yes, that is true. And actually, we want to dedicate this little chat to Anthony Noel, who uh, arrived yesterday afternoon in Guatemala. Antonio Noel or Noel Falcha. Noel. Noel. Not not Noel. Jaguar uh, Tony is what his name means. Tony Jaguar. Tony Jaguar. Means. There you yeah. go. Anyway, that's our anyway. nephew. He was born in Guatemala yesterday. He um, arrived to the sound of singing and drums, and he was born with a call over his head, which means he will be able to see into the other world and will never drown. So there. Wow. Yeah. Cool. Didn't know that. Um, yeah, I know. I was trying to say it, but you. He's a seer. Talking. Uh, that's awesome. <laughs> so we now have titles, which is very scary. I'm not really sure I agree with titles the best of times. Um, but I'm an uncle and you're an aunt. Yeah. I'll deal with that. Another time. <laughs> that's fine. That's also fine. Um, but keep, yeah. Keep responsibilities now. No. All right. So let's crack into, um, after this episode has been dedicated to our lovely and wonderful new nephew, we can... Now we start talking about the, well, I guess the lad in question is Cahor Magnessa, the king of the Ulster Cycle, and he was born on the very auspicious day which connected him to Jesus Christ. Yeah, which I think was kind of um, probably a bit of a later. Must have been something that, like, I don't know, it sounds yeah. like something that's stitched in. It sounds like something that's like, oh yeah, he was definitely born on the same day as Jesus Christ after they found out who Jesus was and like tied it in to kind of give him a bit more gravity. Or yeah, no, it's definitely kind of a later invention or a later insert into that particular cycle of mythology to, there was, there were various different things where you get, you get these very obvious little stitchings because like a lot of the mythology was written down by Christian era monks because we didn't have a writing system before that, which is why Irish mythology is kind of so fragmented in general. Um, we developed a writing system late in fact we didn't develop it we we got one from uh rome that's that's where our writing system came from oh Ohm. yeah but ohm, ohm is not a, a 
there are no books in Owen. Sure. Uh, Owen was a was a system for Martin Graves and writing out short messages, but it's not like, you know, one of the reasons the Greek and Roman mythology is very very well preserved is because people wrote it down. Mm-hmm. Or in Mesoamerica, like the the. Uh, again, they had a writing system. The indigenous people there, the Mayans, had a had a very extensive kind of hieroglyphic, pictographic kind of writing system. So cool. a lot of their mythology is well, there was a concerted effort to destroy it by the people who arrived later, but yeah. uh, it's it's relatively it's relatively well preserved and it's relatively coherent. Uh, whereas in Ireland, writing was developed late um, or arrived late, and actually people didn't write important things down they were they were encoded in stories and people told stories and that was how information was passed down so it was kind of it was kind of an interesting one because it's sort of um i'm about to go on a tangent here but i think it's really interesting in terms of like we often think of progress as being kind of linear like it goes you know you you get writing and then you you stop having to remember things and you get other stuff and like but actually, it doesn't seem like it was a priority for the Irish to write stuff down. Because why would you write it down if you just remember it? And actually, like, it, was kind of, <laughs> it was kind of important to be able to memorize things. Like the memorization of the sagas and of the... For the Brehams, for the... Something lawyers. to fucking do, I suppose, like, you know? Well, like, <laughs> not only that, but, like, that was the skill. Yeah, that was the skill. That was that was what made you good at what you were doing, was and the ability to recall information. Added to the prestige and the status of being able to do that and show that off in a lot of ways. Yeah, so there was something about, like, writing didn't uh, seem to add anything for a very long time to, to our ancestors, so they didn't go in for it. Uh, but anyway, the upshot of that is that it was written down by Christians. Uh, by Christian monks. And then you have all of those. And there's all kinds of questions about whether any of it is remotely authentic. Sure. Uh, which isn't really knowable in any real degree. No, really, no, not really knowable, but it's interesting to, to look at, like, Cormac Nessa, so he's supposed to have been born on the 25th of December, the same day as, yes. as Jesus, and then his death story ties in with Jesus as well. So yes. there's, some, there, there's a big effort to tie him into There's the, a big effort to tie him which is a really interesting one because like he's an interesting one to pick to tie in. And I think it I think it it ties in a lot as well with um you know, we're we're quite used these days to associating Christianity and Catholicism with a kind of a misogyny that came through in later years. But like the early Christians in Ireland were they were the ones who um blocked emotion in the fourth century to, to say that women didn't have souls. So like the the, the Irish Christians were uh, not actually, the early Christians were not in the same way that they later became. But I think it's interesting that Cahor is linked with Christ when in his personal life he is not very Christ-like. Yeah, And I think that also feeds into the way that uh, the tone is often told to this day where Maeve is the bad guy and Cahor is the good guy. Where if you look at the proof scales, so like that's not the case at all. Absolutely, the background stories make him out to be a terrible king and making some desperate decisions. And yet, yeah, you have yeah. this little look, look at the old... But again, it's kind of like, it's, it's picking the side that you want to associate with. Not necessarily, because uh, you want Cullen to be the hero of the story, therefore you want the Crave Rua to be the, the more, uh, you know, downtrodden. The, the curse that's put on them is kind of sadder and then the, as, a, as, a, uh, as a justification for that empathy 
then you need to make the king some way more, uh, yeah, the good guy, outpost, and, and then villainize yeah. the other. And then you villainize the other, which is interesting because, like, that's one of the things that I think is, you know, the best thing about Irish mythology is that that doesn't work. It doesn't really, know. Um, and if you look at, if you look at Maeve as a character, she's every bit as complex as Crahor is in that she's not a, she's not a, a, a particularly nice ruler either, but she's also extremely, an extremely good ruler. Like she's able to balance the other world with, with this world and, and, you know, manage Cruachan Eye, which is this kind of hellmouth kind of a place in some ways, really. Yeah, it is. I mean, um, it opens up from the hill of Cruachan Eye. And, and like, and she's able to deal with that. She's able to negotiate with that. She's able to manage that. She's a, she takes in exiles. Um, she's, she's, a, she's a great queen in her own mm. right. And like, obviously the tawn is not a good but like i think that's one of the interesting things as well is that like the tawn is not in the attitude of the time it is not considered to be a good war because so many people die in it well we talk plenty about queen maeve um, we'll talk about her next week next week because there's loads to talk about that but in terms of, of just focusing in on this character which is again he's been stitched in with being born on the same day, day as Christ and then having this weird ending to, this, to his death story where he hears about uh, the saviour of uh, men, the king of the world has been born and is now being crucified unjustly and no one will fight for him. He hairs off to it and, and in defence of him or in an attempt to, to rescue him dies and is called the first pagan to go to heaven according to the Christians that wrote it. Yeah, Mental. which I think is kind of funny because you know he died with he died thinking of Jesus and his blood functioned as as holy Baptism. water, which uh, is a little bit. Well, the way there was waves, there was waves. Mm -hmm. It's a little creepy. It's a bit weird. Um, but the I, I the good guy con uh, connection, the idea that he's like, I mean, wash absolves all of his, of his sins is the big thing in Christianity. He's like, okay, he's done all this stuff, but he did at the right point at his death. He was only thinking about God. And therefore, everything mm. is washed away, and therefore, he's a good guy. He died a good guy. <laughs> yeah, well, this is the thing everything is redeemable. Yeah. Um, but I think it's interesting as well to look at Crohor as a person and as a king because, like, it was really interesting when we, you know, over the years of us telling the Tawn and the Ulster cycle, we've looked more and more at the Prevskelta, at Crohor, at, you know, what he does in his behaviour during the Curse of Maka story. His behavior in the sons of ishnuk story um you know his his pride his treatment of women his anger uh his rape of maeve um you know his he sentenced a poet he sentences a poet to death uh for sleeping with one of his wives yeah which is completely taboo um even though he was said to be the protector of all poets and having yeah, yeah, protected yeah. 50 poets at one stage well, he, on his good side and the good stories of him is, is which is actually a really interesting note yeah. because Crohor McNessa was also the protector of the poets yeah. and so he is remembered and he is recorded as being an extremely good king and who did the remembering and the recording the fucking poets lads so like I mean he, he definitely buttered up the right guys He'd, and like it was, it's a kind of a funny thing because it was, it was a time when you know the poets were considered, or supposedly um, during this period, the poets were considered generally in Ireland to be getting too much power. So mm -hmm. there were there were too many of them, and they were getting too powerful. Because of course you remember the, the the power of the satire. Yes. Which was like if a poet wrote a satire about a king, the king could lose his position. 
and it was a real kind of like it was a serious threat like we think of satire as, as you know poking fun at the powerful now but it's it's kind of toothless but mm. there were there were very definite rules to satire in ireland like you couldn't make fun of someone's physical appearance was one thing oh wow um you had like you there were certain things that were like off limits um but you could eviscerate someone in verse for the things they said and the things they did and like the first satire goes into this is, is in the story of Brett which I don't think we've told on the podcast yet but it, no, it's, yeah. uh, it's, a, it's 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 uh, a satire against a king who is mean yeah and, mean and actually king. that I think leads us into the king and the role of the king well yeah because again in terms of the good guy aspect whether he's a good guy or not and whether or not he's favourable amongst the poets or not the role that he actually uh, had to do was to be a king and he made some desperate mistakes along the way but he was also pretty good at a few things well this is the thing like if you think about it i think it's i think it's an interesting one to try and get get our heads around because we might you know we we all have we have a kind of an image of a king which i think is very you know, based on kind of fantasy, Arthurian really. Arthurian legend and kind of that, that idea yeah, of a, a king. Yeah, a little bit, a little bit King Arthur, but really we don't really see King Arthur doing very much either, do we, no, in the films, no. other than having a love triangle with his wife who doesn't fancy him anymore. Um, you know, like that's that's the the actual administrative side of being a king. Yeah, yeah, is yeah. It's not yeah. really looked at. Whereas in medieval Ireland or in the, in the, the mythic period of Ireland, the role of the king was very tied up with this hospitality idea so it was really really important to be generous right and to be um hospitable and and like actually if we were to give it a modern job it would be less ceo and more events manager (laughs) i was just thinking it's the brother of the drinks company who gets to like bring the lads out for the you know it's the hosting it's the bringing it's the the thing yeah and the other major, major, major important thing about being a king was the settling of disputes. And you actually see, you do see that in the stories of Gruhur Macnessen. There's the story of the intoxication of the Ulstermen. There's various different stories. The story of the champion's portion, which yeah. we'll be telling in January uh, on the podcast. And there, because Gruhur is managing the Crave Rua. An so unbelievably difficult job. A, like, you're in a warrior culture. There's no, like, the culture at that time, it's not just a warrior culture, it's a culture of champions. Yeah. There's, you know, we like to say these days there's no I in team, but that was that was a team of I's. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was a team of people who were not on the same page because they were all looking to get the biggest amount of glory themselves. Because that was how the Celts did warfare. Mm. They didn't have the kind of Roman, like, that was there's a lot written about that with the Romans versus the Celts where like the Celts will come in fucking naked and screaming and the Romans will line up with their shield wall and, and cut them to pieces because it was a totally different mentality about warfare um, so Crohor is in charge of a large number of egotistical competitive violent men yeah. who's, who's like business is violence yeah Jesus. and the fact that he actually like, i think that's why he's remembered as a great king is because he he keeps them 
from killing each other. Pretty much. And he's able to like negotiate between everything. Like even the, at the start of the whole story, there's a bragging match going on outside and he goes, here lads, let's have a, like, let's, you know, come on, let's have yeah. a drink and let's have a feast. Let's like, come on, bring it inside now and let's just like, let's, let's calm, calm it down. Calm it down, have a drink, tell some stories. And uh, to, to be honest, like, that in my mind is what Crowhorn does. Yeah. There's one story, there's one story that mentions the three parts of the King's Day. And I can't remember which story it is now, but it's, it's, it's that he spends the morning playing fiddle with Fergus McRoy. That's right. And he spends the afternoon overseeing the training of the boys troop. Uh-huh. And he spends the evening in the feasting hall. I think it's in the, it's in the naming of, uh, of um, Hooker Hull and that is name. I think it could be in one of the, one of the early, I don't know if it's, a, if it's in any podcasting show, but I, I like, yeah. that's, that's his job. Yeah. He's, he's keeping his head sharp on strategy. Yeah. Which is what Fitchell was. It was a strategic training game. It's what chess was as well. It was a yeah. war game. He's overseeing, and this was another innovation of Crow McNess's, was the boys' troop to to bring together the the next generation of warriors, train the young lads, and not leave it all up to the individuals, but actually bring the tribe together. So he's overseeing the training of the young men, and then in the evening, he's in the feasting hall, and like that sounds to modern ears like then he goes and gets pissed. <laughs> But and there's an awful wasted. lot, but like, but he's that's not what that's not no. what he's doing. And and as anyone in hospitality or events will know, how much business is done in those those areas, you know, how all much of all of it, yeah. Um, the the back and scratching the whole and like disputes to landowners, the welcoming of of whether it's poets or or fillids or other kings or other kingdoms or, or other areas. You you get a lot as well of like you get a lot of mentions of. Uh, merchants from abroad mm-hmm. you get a lot of mentions Dude, of yeah. trade you get a lot of mentions of like people coming from the far east you get a lot of dignitaries coming through that are being wined and dined and hosted so, and that's yeah. that's also a huge part of his role is um making sure those people go away happy yeah like one of one of the one of the jobs of conal carnock guarding the border which i, I always it. think is hilarious is that he he met um he would meet the poets as they were leaving and ask them if, if they'd had a good time in Ulster. And if they said no, he would give them gold until they said yes. <laughs> I love that. Like um, he would just make sure that they were happy leaving. So it's that, that whole thing of like making sure people are happy leaving. Mm, um, yeah, yeah. That's a huge part of his, his role. I'm, and making sure, like, in fairness to him, whatever about the other desperate mistakes that he made when along his way of his life which led to kind of the downfall of the Craig Road. Yeah. He also had like a brutally difficult task with these astronomically big mythic f- characters of Cucullin, Colin Carnac, Larry Cucullin. These made one well, name, not Larry, but the other big warriors yeah. in and the Sons of Vishnu being huge warriors. Big personalities. Big personalities, big yeah. characters and brilliant warriors. And All like, stars <laughs> that needed special attention, you know, totally. and he managed to keep the the simmering between them down so oh, that they could actually fly under the one banner which seemed like a massive that was basically his role that was and his role yeah that seems to be the reason why he's gone down in history or mythology rather uh, or whatever crossover you want to see between as a, as a memorable king you know yeah well I think I think it's fair to say that he's a good king I don't think that he's a good person 
um, a little bit like Kuroi Madara a few weeks ago. He's somebody who may have had a lot of good things to do with men, but did not include women in that. But like, he, like he, his his behavior towards women is quite appalling, which is really interesting yeah. when you think about, like his he's he's the son of Nessa. He's Kuroi Magnessa. Yeah. So his father is not part of his name. No. Um, and she was a warrior, and she's the one. He was unusual in that he was not the son of a king. He was, um, she, she married Fergus McRoy and her bride price from Fergus McRoy was that he'd give up being a king for a year so that her son could be king for a year and so that his children could then be called sons of kings and could have like a shot at the role. And really and interestingly, well, really interestingly uh, what always comes out of me in, in that snippet of information is that Nessa told him, managed to steal a lot of the wealth away from all the, all the wealthy people in Ulster and then give it to Kuroi to give back to them to show the sign of generosity and abundance that he had. And so suddenly then they're like, all right, we want him as king because he's yeah. so generous and he kept that up. And one of the things that was said about him was that he was oh, he was very good at um, uh, ju- judging, yes. judging a situation and choosing. Which was one of the major kingly virtues was being like an arbiter. Yeah. And, and uh, you know, someone who could actually make a judgment that was that was a huge um huge part of the role as well and yet as you say like in this in his death story he's just like he it's comical how stupid he looks because he's brought off and his vanity is exploited he's brought off to show off his legs and his calves to the women of of connacht who are fawning at him and he can't he can only love to do it and so he's just running over which is really interesting like because he has this you know he has this with women where he's very good looking and he's acclaimed as being very good looking by the women of Ulster they're the ones who make it illegal for him to wear a long tunic so that they can admire his calves all year round I mean he must have had very good calves I mean I don't I don't know how good your calves need to be for them to have to be out all year round but apparently so he had those the women demanded um, it so yeah, like. yeah that's what the women were after so like or maybe he very, claimed that he's very attractive to, to, to women and he's very, but he's also jealous and extremely possessive and extremely prideful. And he's got all of, like, I mean, he's I mean, got these kind of... Yeah, it, 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 goes, it goes down slightly into that, like, weird realm of what's attractive is not always necessarily good either. What's oh, attractive yeah. is not always positive. What's yeah. attractive can be sexy but very sinister or mm. you know there, there's a real weird line with that of where oh, yeah, attraction the, is wrong the, the dark triad thing people people are more pe- yeah people with certain personality traits that are often uh more narcissistic or more sociopathic or often at first glance seem more attractive um scary that scary but again it like if you if once you still have them. once you peel it back once you look back and look at the layers in this myth this story this character ah uh, you can be, you feel very 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 he's he's very yeah his 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 stuff with women is very toxic because mm. he's got like for fuck's sake he beheads the sons of Ishnuk like for for his stealing his so called to be soon to be wife that is just always weird and and can not be so read in a creepy way with the Deirdre yeah. It was it was quite funny. Uh, we did a schools workshop just last week before the schools oh, yeah, yeah. closed. On the tawn, we had one group of first years. We told them the tawn from uh, 
from the point of view of Connacht, if you like. So with Maeve as the hero, and yes. another another group got Krahor as the hero. Um, but it's it's really interesting sitting in with a group of like you know kids who are, you know, when they ask how old the boys' troop are, you're like, well, they're about your age actually, you know. And uh, talking about the Deirdre story, you know, mm. he was he was maybe about your you guys' age when she was born. She yeah. was maybe a couple of years older than you guys, and he was twice that age. So would you want to go away with someone? And they were all kind of like, Ugh. yeah, so. like horrendous. Um, again, I guess different time. You kind of go, oh, it was a different time, but still weird. Like it's just still because I mean, that's, that's as, as if as if we don't have child brides today. We absolutely do. Exactly. You know, there there are children being married off to people who are much much older, than and and you know, it's never been good. And like, I think that's a really interesting thing in the Deirdre story is that I don't, I have never read a version that claimed that Quahor was in the right there. Nah, but you can't, literally can't paint it right because this, like... I mean, you can. Uh, there, are, there are stories that are told where, you know, yeah, yeah. As, we, as we spoke of before, where Maeve is absolutely the bad guy in the song. Sure, but... Just leave out the Quahor raped her entirely oh yeah completely and and you leave out the, the 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 really fucking creepy pedo aspect of the of um of him you know nurturing a bride yeah from, raising from, a bride like pff, wrong uh, but w- always and no matter what telling you go with because with the details even if you glass them up to be great his downfall is is his vanity and his pride and yeah. in every one of those stories in every one of those stories the curse of Marco, yeah. where he where he basically brings about the destruction of the Crave Rule with the with her with the goddess's curse. Mm-hmm. He's so vain that he can't um imagine anything is better than his horses and anyone going against his word. Yeah. In the, and he's publicly called out against it and it's because of the pub it's because of the public nature of the insults that he yeah. just won't let it go. And so you again and again and again you have his pride, his ego, his vanity mm-hmm. being his greatest downfall. And in Deirdre exact same thing happens and he can't let go of it. And essentially, in his death story, exact same thing. It's happens. the same thing, yeah. Well, like it's it's, and I think the 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 seven years is probably worth dwelling on a little bit because yeah. <laughs> as a sort of a penance for somebody who's like who's a great king, who has serious issues around women, and serious issues around pride. Um, yeah, he's he's lured away by vanity, and he's gets this brain balls stuck in the top of his skull can we can we discuss the brain balls for one moment before we move on sure what the fuck <laughs> i mean seriously brain balls trophies this is yeah. the weirdest part of the whole thing they get brains they put them in the line is that actually that was a thing how, that was how they used to make their slingshot ammo now i don't think you use human brain all the time i think they probably use animal brain a lot of the time but that is it you you can yeah something to do with the chemical reaction between lime and uh, a brain you can get these um they, they will shrink down and become incredibly hard Weird. harder than stone no way so that was what they used to use as ammunition Holy shit. and uh they the the soul was was believed to reside in the head so uh that was one of the reasons as well to do it to uh, an enemy that was why they took the heads of their of their enemies but yeah, that was a way of keeping trophies. Was that you would you would basically create a weapon out of the brain, which is a little like 
I would imagine there's an aspect to that of kind of psychological warfare as well, of like oh massively, yeah, yeah, yeah. This is uh, this is how we hit somebody with the brain. But I, I love that the fact that there was a king who was killed. There was a prophecy that he would get his revenge after death, and his brain was kept. Uh, it's well, just they kept it on a little shelf just to make sure. Yeah, yeah. Don't keep it. Like clearly, it just, clearly, you should have. <laughs> should have just cremated this guy. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, but yeah, the seven years, the seven so, years of Krahor's kind of half life. Once he I gets the brain really stuck in his head and he's fucking out yeah, of it. And, and like stitched in with gold thread to match his hair so that it doesn't look disfiguring. Which vanity is important. again. Um, but then he has seven years where he's not allowed to raise his voice. No crack, no... And he's not allowed to get fun. drunk and he's not allowed to have sex and he's not allowed to ride a horse and he's not allowed... He's basically not allowed to get overexcited. He's not allowed, like... He's not allowed to raise his own blood pressure. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. in any way for any reason. So... He Three. does pretty well. Seven years, seven like. years. Like that's seven that's a lot of self control. Yeah. But I think it's also kind of interesting as a sort of a I think I think one of the reasons that it's uh interesting is that it is it is another kind of like I guess point in his favour as a good king because he is able to hold on to himself. Like yeah. he is self controlled enough. That he is able to live with this, where I think a lot of people wouldn't be. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and that's that's also that for me that just screams sociopathic in like, oh, I will not raise my voice or get angry anymore. I, and, you know. I don't know. I don't. I don't think sociopaths have a lot of self control. I think that's one of the. Uh, well, one yeah. Of, one of one of the things. Um, that's why a lot of them are in jail. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, no. I mean, I think the kind of corporate sociopath. Type I was just thinking of like, Dexter. You know. That, that yes, kind of like the the trope of the, of the <laughs> very very self controlled serial killer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, who doesn't have any emotions? Well, yeah, like it's it's um. It's that, and it's also just the kind of the level of self control that he has, and I think it's also you know it's interesting and a little bit ironic in a dramatic sense that he's not allowed to go near a woman for the last seven years of his life. Yeah. You know, for somebody yeah, yeah. who's who's caused such grief and devastation with his um, attempt to control and coerce women. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, it's an unbelievable. It's a, it's a very to just have penance. that like yeah. taken off him. Yeah. Like you're not allowed. And I, I don't think I, I don't, I don't know. I think the timelines are always a little bit fuzzy. But the death of Leary Buyuk, which is the story connected to that poet that Krohor sentences to death for sleeping with his wife. Mm-hmm. I don't know if that happens in, in the last seven years of his life, but it could do. Yeah, like, would make sense. It would make sense. That he still has jealousy and anger, but that isn't able still, to express it. Yeah, well, like that he's still trying to control the women in his life, even though he's, he's uh, God. he can't have anything to do with them. Fuck that. Um, it wouldn't seem yeah. out of character to me for Krohor to be like that. You know? No. Um, I mean, it, it's a weird penance at the end of his life, and it's almost like makes sense that he, he became the Christian dude or like he became the one that went to heaven according yeah, to the Christians because he has this well he has these seven years of, of living like a monk yeah you know it's like oh that he's repenting he's yeah and that's kind of like what you're supposed to do that sounds like the good penance you don't get you, you literally that's that's there here's the ingredients to be a monk yeah, yeah, yeah. you know and don't fly out the handles and don't get angry don't warfare and yeah. no, no battling no no um, no elation and joy or desire. I mean, one has desire. to wonder what he was, you know, I mean, I, I, I'd imagine he was still doing the same thing he'd always done, 
in terms of being at the feasting hall and letting everybody else get drunk while he didn't. Yeah. Which was probably just a slight exaggeration of what he had been doing anyway up until probably. that point. The cunning um, fella. I mean, I, 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 love it, I love the fact that he suddenly hears about this character and it turns out to be Jesus Christ and he was running off to save him. It's, when I heard it, I thought it had, couldn't be true. Like this whole thing was made I up. Mean, um, true. I mean, but like to be associated to it, I was like, what? I mean, yeah. Again, the more you look into these things, you're like, bro, that's really heavily recorded and stamped down. I thought there might be another version of his death. I couldn't find one. Um, I have never seen one. Yeah. But, um, I, I've never seen one, a version of his of his birth that isn't connected to the 25th of December yeah, yeah, either. Yeah. Of course, of course. Um, and I guess he married... You know, he he was he had married Queen Maeve. That ended up in rape. That ended up in a whole massive breakup thing that led to the feud that was already involved in yeah. them. We'll get on to Maeve next week. We will. Uh, we'll talk about Maeve next week. Which I'm looking forward to. She she has a very nice retirement. <laughs> I'm sure she does. Um, for a while. For a while. For a while. And that's us for now. Listen, we also have a very special uh, show. The uh, McDonough's Pig which we recorded in the Lexicon in Dunleary and it'll be up on the tobeirish.ie website uh, very soon and that's up on our YouTube channel stepping up in the Lexicon anyway it's going live it was recorded by uh, Simon O'Neill and that was very helpful we cut it together and it's beautiful it looks great and that was fun and that's what we released on Christmas Day if you haven't seen it go check it out it's a beautiful video and we enjoy telling it because it's full of crap that's on Christmas Day not so much for this year because this year has been weird fuck that but that's what we've had in the store we'll have more death series coming uh, for the rest of this <laughs> month uh, well we've Maeve left and then Cucullin great so we've two more two more and then we're into yeah I think so too and then we're into January and we'll have uh, another epic tale for you then one of those will be in January anyway yeah yeah so, uh, yeah we'll have a, we'll, we'll be moving on to another, another tale another the champions section. portion type stuff yes yeah. the champions portion thanks yeah. for listening as always uh, thanks for our patrons for buying us new equipment which sounds great um, don't hit the equipment don't um, punch the equipment that's what we do with with the support that we get from Patreon we, we reinvest it we buy Oshin software and computers mm-hmm. and uh, mics and, and that's what we do and I have been doing and it's just getting better and better this podcast quality wise <laughs> I hope the subs the, the, uh, the sound quality wise I hope we're, we're matching it <laughs> as we improve it <coughs> anyway uh, thank you very much <laughs> patreon.com forward slash candle tales if you haven't done already also liking and sharing and, and telling your friends about it is always a help uh, this is usually edited and mastered by Oshin Ryan Rory O'Shea's on the team of editing as well thanks to again the ability to buy the software and help out yeah. is there anything else I forgot Sarah I don't think so Nolikana and uh, yeah we'll see we'll see you again in 2021 and if you haven't already seen we're doing a storytelling course on the 9th of January FYI if you want to learn how to tell stories learn a bit more about Irish mythology have a bit of semantics thrown at you have a bit of like analysis of story there's you loads of stuff you mean semiotics when you say semantics eh semantics <laughs> that's semantics ha <laughs> <laughs> alright guys thank you very much and uh, chat to you soon